Ad blocking is about to go mainstream, and it's Admageddon for publishers. <laughs> and Mashable teams up with Dan Rather? Oh, this is episode 25 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. I'm Tom Asacker. Tom, ad blocking is about to go mainstream, and it's Admageddon for publishers. Uh, how many people do you think are Googling Admageddon right now? I don't now? know. I love your titles. <laughs> I think it's the best part of the show, frankly. <laughs> well, i got to tell you something. Nobody's going to be using that as a tag. That's going to be a very inexpensive uh, Google keyword. I'm just telling you now. Let's buy but the it, hashtag it, or whatever you're doing. Let's buy the hashtag Admageddon. <laughs> So this comes from a couple of articles, the first of which is called The Overspill, which I think it's a blog that um, has, I, I don't know, my opinion, the worst title of any blog I've ever heard. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, the author's name is Charles Arthur. I don't know who he is, but he's very thoughtful. And the uh, title of the article is, The Ad Blocking Revolution is Months Away with iOS 9, uh, with Trouble for Advertisers, Publishers, and Google. And the essence of this is that, apparently, in the early version, the beta version of iOS 9, Apple has enabled, and I'm not going to get technical on this because I'm not capable of it, but they've facilitated the capability for people who know what they're doing to create content blocking extensions to essentially block ads. So while this technology is possible today, especially on desktop and, and laptop, um, it's apparently more complicated in mobile environments, and Apple is out to fix that problem. Apple, unlike their friends at Google, you see, Tom, doesn't have a big stake in the advertise in the digital advertising economy. Mm. So certainly it's in their interest to say, hmm, should I put user experience before advertiser experience? Why? Yes, let's, right? Yeah. Well, listen, so all this programmatic ad buying, right, using algorithms to buy in place digital ads, it's becoming second nature for, for most marketers. And as a result, what are we seeing? I mean, pop-ups... Mm -hmm. with that tiny little X that moves from one corner of the ad to another so we can't find it and close it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm having like all kinds of problems finding this little X. Autoplay videos, cookies that track every move we make. It's, a, it's like a web advertising race to the bottom. Because well, why? to say nothing, yeah, because Tom, to say not to say nothing of the the remnant ads that pop up on you know well known pages where you're looking at you know the per, the, the woman with the ancient face That's and right. the the <laughs> over fat celebrity and just the same collection of you know salacious and bizarre and absurd and almost freakish ads that substitute for uh, a, a business model. Yeah, you know, and it makes you wonder. Like, is there anyone in control? I mean, why am I seeing this? You know what? There is no one in control. That's exactly the point of the article. There's no one in control. And even in some cases, the publishers are not in control because every ad platform has its own uh, sets of rules and these just overlay on each other and it becomes this unwieldy uh, mess that puts at the very bottom of the priority list the experience of the consumer. Yeah. You know, with print magazines, at least there was someone looking at it saying, okay, the user experience is important. Let's try to make sure it's a decent one. Or, you know, beautiful stretches of scenic highway where they won't allow you to blast billboards in your face while you're driving. But on the, you know, on a desktop right now, it's a mess. And now Apple's saying, well, maybe we can do something about that mess and stop it from happening on the iPhone. And I mean, we listen, 
I, I, let me be skeptical. I'll be my, you know, Bostonian devil's advocate for a moment. <laughs> and, you know, you can look at this, and I've heard it said that, well, maybe this is part of Apple's war against Google, right? Apple wants to mm -hmm. monopolize mobile advertising on their iPhone with iAds. But <laughs> I was trained in economics, and I can tell you something. That is not the case because Apple doesn't think that way strategically. They've become the mm -hmm. world's most valuable company by selling premium priced products, period. Now, that's, right. that's tweetable, huh? Premium priced <laughs> products. That's what the social media people say. That's tweetable. The three Ps. <laughs> Listen, here's a stat for you. I found out that Apple earns, this is gonna, this is gonna blow your mind. Apple earns 92% of all smartphone profits, despite mm. iPhones making up only 20% of smartphones sold worldwide. Wow. Because the average selling price on an iPhone is a, like a little over $600 compared to about $185 for, for an Android smartphone. Right. So, right. so what's Apple's intention? You know. It's to make that their products, the experience, more pleasant, resulting in more sales and more profits. Now, Google, 90% of their revenue comes from advertising. You do the math. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why um, the, uh, the Android ecosystem for ad blocking isn't, isn't nearly going to be as uh, generous to the consumer as... The uh, iOS system, which is why I think this author at least theorizes that this could be a ploy, among other things, to do exactly what you're saying, which is draw more consumers to the Apple platform because it's a better consumer experience. And in fact, why wouldn't that be the case if, in fact, ads are so advertising as they seem to be? I was shocked when I looked at the stats shown in this article because I do you use any ad blocking software by the way I, I do I turn the thing on and off on my desktop because sometimes it just slows stuff down you know that's interesting because I don't I really never have I've never really even thought about it and yet in the US according to this uh, survey uh, 40 percent of uh, consumers respondents to the survey use uh, ad blocking software on their desktop or laptop, another 11% on mobile. And it's that 11% number, which really has everybody worried because that's going to potentially skyrocket as it gets easier. And by the way, apparently the ad block usage rates vary by category. Things like games, technology, comics, entertainment, sports is relatively high. And things like travel, finance, and local lifestyle business is somewhat low. Yeah, I don't really know why that is. because kids are smart. They know how to put that thing on. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, listen to what you just said. Oh, travel. Yeah, that's all old yeah. people. They don't know how to even put You're that. right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's absolutely true. Yeah, right now, uh, another piece from Business Insider says digital publishers see between 5% to as many as 40% of their readers using Adblock software, according to a number of publishers that spoke with BI Intelligence. Even downstairs from me, I don't know if I've told you this before, but there's a yogurt shop. And the yogurt shop uses uh, has Pandora running uh, in the background, and they have an ad block. They have ad block software for audio. Oh, I didn't know that. So the Pandora ads are being blocked. So not only is she, you know, uh, illegally using uh, Pandora in her store, she's illegal. Well, illegally, she's unethically. <laughs> I don't know. Is it to block the ads, well, or are you doing what's in to, your if interest? You're doing something illegal to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> that makes total sense. One other point in here, I mean, the author of this article made the point that, well, there are those who say, look, if we block the ads, how are we going to have journalism, right? 
Ad blocking is the new speeding, he says. Those who can do it justify why to themselves, while those who think it's wrong are stern in their disapproval. He said, I was once the object of finger wagging and the accusation of the destruction of journalism. And then he printed a tweet from somebody who wrote him and said, perhaps be done with quality media and journalism while you're at it. Have you no responsibility to them? And his response was, I think it's dangerous to think readers must or will tolerate anything advertisers demand. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> the, the interesting part of all this is everybody believes that, that everything's moving to mobile, right? They've been saying it over and over and over. Now, right. ad blocking, that's one thing they have to think about. But the other thing is, look, Mark, um, I think 85% of smartphone users interact with their smartphones via apps. Well, you know what I mean? That's, that's mm -hmm. what's going on. There yes. aren't that many people using the browser. So the question for all these people, right. you know, all these publishers is, how, what apps are we going to get on? Is it going to be Facebook? you know, Snapchat? I, I mean, how are they going to get seen if all people look at are apps anyway? Uh, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know to what degree these ad blockers interface with that's the app what I ecosystem. Don't know either. That was, hasn't really been stated, although that's a really good question. One final point from this, uh, again, the concern is that since advertising drives so much of what's online, including journalism and worthwhile sites, as he puts it, Good journalism and worthwhile sites will survive, or good journalists will. I don't know, Tom. I think good journalism will survive in the form of good journalists, but worthwhile sites only if they have a decent business model. Yeah, no, listen, you're right. <laughs> and then they, you've seen it all over the Internet where, where different publishers will say, a whitelist our sites. You know, I'm not even sure if people know what that means, to whitelist their sites, but it means to go into mm -hmm. that ad-blocking software and to say, mm -hmm. show me ads on this site. Why would anybody want to do that? I, I know, but I, I think that that's, that's the, their way of saying, uh, I want to support this particular publisher, so I will look at the ads. Well, it's kind of strange. you know. It, it is kind of strange because it, it, it all hinges on the, the recognition, the realization, and the unspoken truth that these ads are irritating and people uh, hate them. So then, then, so if you're a publisher, maybe what you have to do in the future is you have to incentivize people to whitelist their platforms, right? Instead of us giving our <laughs> attention away, we'll, we'll begin bartering it. That's right. I have an idea. Publishers can subscribe to their fans rather than the other way around. How's that? Hey, it might work. <laughs> you're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Mashable teams up with... Dan Rath, I almost can't make my voice go high enough. With Dan Rather? I know. Tom, this <laughs> is from uh, Brand Channel. You sent this over to me. Rather has linked a deal with Mashable, of all things, and opened an independent production company called News and Guts with seed money from entrepreneur and Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. I love the term <laughs> News and Guts. It's it sound it could be you know uh, it's it's almost like a zombie sequel, isn't That's it? It's really strange. I mean, it's not quite as bold and daring as uh, Bob Dylan going electric in 1965. <laughs> but no, if you think about it, I mean, here's this guy, 83 year young Dan Rather, going digital. Now, if that doesn't inspire people who are still sitting back wondering whether or not the internet is the real thing or not, <laughs> and whether their best years are behind them, I don't know what's going to inspire them. 
You know, just get moving. I mean, he's doing it. What's your excuse? Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this, which is, you know, look, Dan Rather, by the way, there are a lot of people who could be in this category, people who vanished, people who are on the outskirts of relevance. I mean, I don't even remember where Katie Couric is anymore. I know she was with Yahoo for a while, and I, I haven't seen her since she disappeared from television. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and Dan's done, you know, some stuff on the far-off reaches of the, of the cable uh, dial here and there. But this is really interesting. And, and to come from someone kind of of his uh, stature, his legacy, his age, really does tell people that it's That's never it. too late. That's it. I mean, look, you know, I know, everyone knows who's tried it. Change is difficult. But for, but for celebrities, mm-hmm. you know, like you and Dan, I mean... <laughs> People who have their identities wrapped up in, in their work and in history, it's really difficult. I mean, Dan Rather said it in a recent interview, though. He said, I'd much rather wear out than rust out, you know, or, or Neil Young put it better when he said it's better to burn out than to fade away. And, and I agree. I mean, burn bright while you're here. You've got, you've got this tool. Everybody's using it. You know, what's stopping you? I think it helps, by the way, to have a nice relationship with Mark Cuban. Yeah, I don't know how he pulled that one off. Oh, yeah, that, that, you know, when you've got a billionaire that can reach in his pocket and just make something happen for kicks to see how it turns out, that's always nice, too. Yeah, suddenly Mashable says, come on in, Dan. Hey, Why he, not? Look at, he's serving his idea through whatever means he can muster, right? But look around. I mean, I saw something a few weeks back, you know, and I, this blew my mind because I'm a Boston guy, right? So, you know, Steven Tyler, Aerosmith. Sure. This is the best-selling American rock band of all time. You know, these are the bad boys from Boston. You know, dream on. Janie's got a gun. Train kept a rolling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I look and it says, Tyler did a country ballad called Love Is Your Name. You know? And I went, what? Hmm. Really? And I listened to it, and it's awesome. I mean, his voc- really, his <laughs> vocals were wonderful. So, so, I mean, to be able to change it up. Because look, do we need more news? No. Do we need more reporting? No. Right. Do we need another business book? No. Another country song? No. We don't need much more of anything. But we need people mm-hmm. who are passionate about their ideas, that people with a unique view and a unique voice that can just turn us on. Do it. We need it. That's such an important point. Uh, Dan says in this, he's quoted in this article as saying, I'm finding it tough to convince anybody who's at the lever of the delivery systems of my belief that the market for this kind of news exists, he told ABC News. Time and again, the subject has changed. Eyes are unspoken. The feeling is, Dan, you can't live in the past. And I think to your point, what people are buying, what Mashable is buying, what Mark Cuban is buying is not Dan's brand of news. They're buying brand Dan Brand Dan has a life outside of his uh, historical means of distribution. Whether or not the market is as big or as small as uh, as these people in deals with him think, um, he's going to make it bigger because of who he is, and that's what they're buying. That's what they're buying, and and you know what? Brand Dan has an idea, and we all need to figure out how to serve our idea by connecting it with with this very busy Mm. and noisy world. So... He's trying. I, I say kudos to Dan Kudos Rather. to Dan Rather. Tom, it's time for Rants and Raves. What do you have for us this week? <laughs> oh, it's always Tom. Well, it it's depends. I, 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 what I try and do is assess how good mine are and then decide if I think yours is going to be better or not, and I put yours first. <laughs> well, I've been watching you, and you typically take the liberty of offering a that rant and a rave every week. So, I, <laughs> okay. so I'm going to give it a go. 
I'm going to give you a, ra a rave, but I'm going to okay. go rave and a rant. All right, first my rave, and it's for Donald Trump because <laughs> this guy has been marketing himself by playing the media like a fiddle for the past several weeks. He has brought the art of hijacking mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. news to new heights. And I'll tell you, here's the funny thing. Because of his crazy cult of personality, he's leading <laughs> all Republican <laughs> candidates in the polls. His no matter what he does. is growing. So, no, so much so that the other candidates uh -huh. are afraid to bash him for fear of alienating his growing number of uh, whatever you call the people. that you know They're really not supporters. I think they're just people that he's speaking directly to their pain and frustration right now. So anyway, I think the guy's hilarious. Sure, he's full of himself, but yeah. he's entertaining as hell. And, and I, he's kind of like Trump is to politics to me what Jon mm. Stewart was to the news. Although, ironically, Stewart was more factual <laughs> and made much more sense. So anyway, I say kudos to you, the Donald. Keep playing everyone for as long as you can. It's a hoot. And do me a favor and mention <laughs> Media Unplugged loves you the next time you get up on a stage and you've got something to say. Because Mark and I want to. We are not losers. We are not bus. losers. We love you. Uh, one thought about that before you go to your room. Right. I gotta, I've got to say this morning I was listening to the uh, podcast for Morning Joe. And they commented that whenever they want to get uh, Trump on, they can get him on, he'll come on by phone. And he's one of the few people that if he says, I'll do a phoner, um, the media outlet will always, always, always say yes. And they said, you know what? We can get him anytime we want and he'll come on. We would love to have Hillary Clinton call in. We would love to have uh, Jeb Bush call in, but they won't call in. And if they come to the studio to be part of this, <laughs> they've got to deal with producers. They've got to deal with prep. They've got to deal with all kinds of rules and regulations. It's so yeah. completely controlled. And one of the reasons why Trump is getting the attention he's getting on all these media outlets is because he makes himself freely available without the use of a net. That's Donald. My rant, however, is it has to go out to Columbia House. Remember Columbia House? Sure. I loved him. <laughs> right now, this is the former king of music distribution. They had revenues of $1.4 billion in 1996. Wow. And earlier this week, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy oh. protection. So here's Columbia House, the subscription music service delivered to your door who couldn't figure out how to deliver it to your ear instead. <laughs> right? Or who didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Either way, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, that old uh, Cool Hand Luke, that guy in Cool Hand Luke. He says, what we've got here is failure to innovate. <laughs> Some brands you just can't reach. <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly the quote, but I, I catch your meaning. Well, it rhymes with innovate anyway. So that's awesome. I've got a couple uh, for you again. Yes, indeed, a rant and a rave. And I'm going to give you the rant first. All right. Uh, Tom, have you heard of this product called Amazon Dash? I think I did hear that. You like stick it on things. and <laughs> That is correct. Okay. Amazon Dash is a little button, you know, key, I don't know, key sized button uh, branded with a brand on it because each button is dedicated towards a particular product for some reason. And you literally stick it on or near the product that's about to run out, and you press the button, and that automatically reorders the product for you. So now, <laughs> just 
<laughs> so I'm looking at, the, first of all, the video is hilarious for this because it shows people with all manner of somewhat upscale-ish products, I might add, you know, a cabinet full of smart water, for example. And um, it shows a, a woman who um, goes to use her Keurig and she pulls out that tray underneath the Keurig only to discover to her shock and dismay that there are no more coffee pods. And the Uh-oh. look on her face <laughs> is one of utter despair and, 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 and misery. Uh, she's going to need to be on some meds because of this moment, I can tell you. If so only she, pushed, she had a button. She pushes the button, right? If only she had a button she could push. So, oh, so, okay. so these buttons, I'm looking at the list of the ones. By the way, you have to buy a button for $5 if you're a Prime <laughs> member. And the buttons range from pri- uh, Tide and Bounty to Glad Bags. <laughs> and here's one of my favorite ones, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Now, if there's ever a product where buying an extra box or two next time you're at the store will be guaranteed never to go bad, not even if, you know, you're trying to outlive the cockroaches <laughs> and the zombie infestation, right? Oh, man. And Listen, yet they Mark, don't. You, 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 what you're missing here, again, this is innovation. They're trying <laughs> new things. Because there's a killer, there's a killer application for this. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. Let's maybe, hear what it is. Maybe you're out camping. And, and you have a button for beer, a six-pack of beer, and you ran out with all your buddies. Yes. And you push the button, and this drone comes overhead <laughs> and just lands next to your campfire and releases a six-pack of beer and takes off back to Amazon headquarters. Well, uh, I guess you're right. <laughs> Under that particular case, that's a perfect case. But what about the button that says smart water on it that you're supposed to put in the cabinet next to your smart water? Because God knows if you run out of smart water, you may very well die of thirst. And you're not too smart either. There's not any other option for you to get water in that interim between the time you run out and the time you may possibly be within a mile radius of a supermarket or convenience store. I don't know. But the funniest one is the one that says the one that's branded Lara Bar. Because I've never considered the possibility that if I run out of Lara Bars, <laughs> I might need to immediately reorder. So that is available now, Prime fans. Amazon Dash. Run, don't walk. Oh, by the way, once you get your button, you got to set it up on your phone. So you're literally investing more time and effort setting up your button than it would take for you probably to walk to the corner market. But I'm old school that way, Tom. Yeah, nobody walks anymore. No. So that's the rant. Here's my rave. Um, as you will recall... Mr. A. Sacker. It was about, oh, I don't know, 30 years ago, a movie called Back to the Future. I think in this case it was Back to the Future 2 that projected a time in the future circa 2015. I know what you're going to say. When everybody would be riding the hoverboards, right? You know what I'm going to say? I know what you're going to say. It's here. It is here. It's (laughs) a, a piece from Brand Channel, and the title is The Lexus Slide Hoverboard. It's real and it's spectacular. Did you watch any of the videos for this thing? I did. He went across that, that the pool, the water on the pool. That was amazing. It went. It goes across a, a track. It goes across everything. It's here's what it is. It's it gas from the liquid nitrogen used to cool the hoverboard superconductors and magnets that emanate from the board. And in sleek bamboo with the Lexus aesthetic, it could not look cooler. Who cares if it, the batteries only last ten minutes? And really, who cares? If, did you notice the jet vapor coming off of it? 
you know, I don't liquid. think this is going to be a mass market product, though, anytime soon. Oh, no. This will never exist in numbers. But that's, of course, the whole point. I mean, this goes back to our conversation from last week about, well, you know, wait a minute. Um, Al Reese says you got to own a word. I'm trying to figure out the word that Lexus owns based on this. Um, because there isn't one. And in fact, this is, in Le- on Lexus's part, an attempt to be relevant for, you know, today and tomorrow's buyers of luxury vehicles. As the article says, therein lies the reason Lexus gave the world an overboard bragging rights. The automaker has said reproducing the project on demand is an, impossi- in, an impossibility. <laughs> what Lexus wants is the product to reflect on the brand character to make Lexus more youthful, more hip, more cutting edge. And how can it not do that when you take one look at this video? It's just amazing. So uh, the message sent by the Hoverboard Project is evident in all Lexus branding. The automaker is targeting younger, more urban drivers and is not afraid to offend its older, loyal brand fans in the process. Although, frankly, I don't see how this offends anybody. Um, You can be 100 years old and still think this is cool as far as I'm concerned. I agree. And the theme for Lexus is amazing in motion, which totally fits with this concept. So, you know, bravo uh, to Lexus for creating this uh, proof of concept. Uh, but I've got to add one comment at the end that gave me pause, one comment in the, uh, in the discussion at the end. And here's what it is. A fellow named Rick at Branzing. Here's his comment. Interesting how an automaker could spend so much research, time, money, and technology to develop something that has never been done before but at the same time have no idea how to get a minimum of 50 miles per gallon out of a combustion engine that has been in mass production for over a century. <laughs> Listen, that, you can't please everyone. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. <laughs> you can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Village, Net News Check, and hopefully... Mr. Trump's Twitter feed. There we go. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asak or in Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. There you'll also see some links to some of these cool videos, especially the Lexus Slide hoverboard. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.